Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday night um, service. We are streaming live from Mississauga. Before we get into the worship tonight, I have some sad news, and that is, if you know uh, Pastor Jack Ross from Louisville, Kentucky, I was informed today that he passed away. Um, I think the funeral is set for Saturday. So we want to pray for that assembly um, and um, whatever situation they're going through when a man of God passes away. You know, we all have to pass away sometime, but we want to pray that God would strengthen them in that assembly. So remember that in prayer, and I'll ask that we pray right now as we start this service. Father, we give you thanks once again that we can come before your presence, O oh God. There's so many things we'd like to talk to you about, Father, that we know you are aware of. But your word says that if we shall agree as touching anything according to your will, it shall be done. Tonight we ask, Lord, that you would remember that Louisville assembly that you would remember the saints and whatever they're going through in that particular assembly, Lord, and with fellowship churches close to that assembly, that you would encourage their hearts. We thank you, Lord, that a, a man of God can live a life pleasing to you, and then it comes to an end. Appreciate this life and ask, Lord, that you would encourage the family and friends and the assembly Tonight we ask that you'll be with us in our service. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us, um, Lord, as we struggle to live for you in this evil and wicked age, that you would help us, O oh God, to shine as lights in this dark world. Bless our service tonight. Encourage our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shepherd, 
us down. Praise God.
Jesus is the lighthouse, and from the rocks ascend, He has shown light around me that I might clearly see. Wasn't for the lighthouse, tell me particular song is a beautiful song and I'm not saying that because it is better than other songs but um, it says to have a heart that's pure um, a spirit just like yours and I believe this song is particularly addressed to Jesus 
asking the Lord that he would help me to have a heart that is pure and a spirit just like his and a faith that will endure even unto the end. And this is something that we have to understand that it's one of the purposes of the church. Uh, we, we have been in this assembly um, here in Canada, different locations, but we have been here for approximately 43. The common message that we have preached over these years is to pursue holiness and to come to a place of maturity and perfection. I know a lot of things could be said about church. We could have a program, have lively services. We could enjoy good preaching. Uh, we could have dinners. But the bottom line purpose of the church is to bring us into a place of maturity in the sight of God. To give up on some of the things that we have inherent in our nature. This past weekend, I made some statements that I have not been criticized about it publicly. As a matter of fact, when I make statements that are seemingly contradictory or not common statements, I would really like somebody to send a message to me and says, what are you doing? Why are you saying that? But everyone weasels out and they back away and no one wants to challenge something I said. Well, this past weekend, I said that the Lord Jesus sent out his disciples and told them to go and make disciples of all men. And after I said that on this weekend, I said, well, I'm here making disciples of some individuals. That's my job. My job is to make in disciples of the people that are a part of my church. Now, who is the disciple? You can be my disciple and ignore what I say. To be my disciple, I'm your teacher. A disciple is a taught one uh, under a particular teacher. And so if I'm to make disciples, then uh, you listening to me, if you want to be one of my disciples, you have to follow me. Of course, as I follow Christ. I add that in for your own mental security. Uh, you follow me as I follow Christ. And if you're to be my disciple, uh, there are things that you have to do in order to qualify as one of my disciples. And now I doesn't, when I say to be my disciples, that's not making myself God. No, I'm a teacher and a student is called a disciple. But more than going to college and sitting under a professor and learning the theories of a subject, discipleship in the church is learning the theories and the lifestyle of the teacher and following it. Um, and so when I made a statement like that, that if you're to be my disciple, then you need to take up your cross to die daily to yourself and become a disciple of what I teach, it means that your life must change to conform to the principles I preach. I don't preach my own principles, I preach the Word of God. And technically, 
you follow me, you follow my, my Lord Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you follow the Father. Uh, if you reject me, you reject Christ. And if you reject Christ, you reject the Father. Jesus said that to his disciples. He said, he that receiveth you, receiveth me. Don't change that around. That is exactly what it says. If you receive me, Jesus said, he that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth my Father that sent me. He that rejected you, rejected me. And he that rejected me, rejected my Father that sent me. It goes on in the same uh, category that Jesus established with his disciples. Now something like that, people will say, well, I don't think I want to follow you. Well, tough luck. If you're to be my disciple, you've got to follow my teachings. And you've got to be able to incorporate that. And if you're to follow as a disciple, you've got to take up your cross. What that means? It means you've got to get rid of your little comfort zone. Serving, being a part of the work of God or being a disciple at your convenience. It doesn't work. Discipleship is... Taking up your cross, that is dying to your own desires and starting to fulfill that which God has ordained for you to fulfill. So when you look at the church on a Wednesday night and it's sparsely um, occupied, it's because people don't understand the concept of discipleship. As they understand the concept of discipleship, they will have to make sacrifices and be there when the teacher is there. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so is that, is that possible? Yes, it is, but it's not easy to accomplish. Because when I look at hindsight, Paul ended up with scarcely any disciple. When I look at hindsight, he came to his own, Jesus did, and his own rejected the cost of discipleship in their lives. They could not give up traditions and customs and what their hearts desired to follow Jesus. And so he told his disciples, he says, if you would be my disciples, then you've got to deny yourself the comfort and luxury of self-preservation. He that saved his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for the sake of discipleship shall find it. So, whether you go to college, demands are made before you can graduate. Nothing comes easy. In the scriptures, I'm going to use a couple of scriptures here. Paul, before I get back into this beautiful chorus, Paul made a statement in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said in verse 7, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Do you have a spirit of fear? If you've got fear, you're afraid. You're afraid to walk out. You know, uh, the new variant, COVID-19 variant, the new variant is very contagious. And I know we have to protect ourselves because the variant is contagious. And... I, I told Brother Joe, when people are coming in, put on a mask, but they're not here. Keep, take off the mask. Breed. That's what I do. 
I wear a mask coming in uh, because I'm passing people. Now, why are you wearing a mask? You're spreading, no, no, no. I'm wearing the mask for your mental sanity. Because some of you are so afraid. I'm not. Um, well, maybe if I had COVID-19 somewhere down the line, if I contracted it somewhere down the line, I might be afraid too, but I never contracted it. I'm up in 73 years old. My family got infected ever so often. Uh, they had, in the, in the early stages, a few of them got infected. I didn't. And so did Chandri. She didn't. She wears a mask because I tell her to put one on. And I said it's good for her protection because she has got so many um, uh, physical, medical conditions to protect her. All right? But um, if you want to sit in the congregation, take the mask off while you're sitting, I don't have a problem with that. You want to walk around, put the mask on. You understand what I'm saying? You're doing it because it's wisdom, but you cannot be controlled by fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. No, no, no. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us uh, let me find that again. Uh, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He says, and of love, and of a sound or sober mind. You don't have a fickle mind. If God is saving you, your mind will not be fickle. It would be very sober. You'll make proper decisions in life. And then he said here, he says, be thou... Be not thou therefore ashamed, embarrassed, to let people know you're a Christian. Do not be ashamed or embarrassed to let the individuals you work with know that you're a Christian. Do not be ashamed or embarrassed to let the people, your classmates, know that you're a Christian. Your grocery store know you're a Christian. You walk the mall and individuals that meet you must you not be ashamed to let them know you're a Christian. That is why you let your light shine. And Paul says, Be thou therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And then he woes on further on, he says, Nor of me. Your pastor, the one that's your teacher, don't be embarrassed to let people know you're associating yourself with your pastor. And that is why when I was on this last trip into Guyana, I appreciate every one of you that commented on my post. I let everyone know where I was, what I was doing, and individuals commented and they were not embarrassed for their workplace or their friends or their unsafe family to know that they know this man that's in Guyana. And it is something that you must understand because the Lord is not here personally. Jesus turned to the disciples, he says, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
The authority of a minister is very important to be recognized by the people that are members of that church. And not every member of the church is a true disciple. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, he says, don't be embarrassed about me, uh, nor of the message I preach. And then, if I back up here to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, Paul is writing here in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, and he's saying, making a statement here in verse, uh, verse 12, <clears throat> verse 10, he says, your witnesses... And God also is a witness how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. He says, you are witnesses, Thessalonians, to the testimony that I bore, my faithfulness, my faithfulness. Someone says, well, uh, what it is to be faithful. Look at my life, you'll find out. I told someone today, I said, someone is saying, you know, we're living in a different age and we've got to give people a little chance. I said, no, we're not living in a different age. Uh, the age is more complicated today, they said. No, it's not. If the pressure that is needed to purge gold 2,000 years is not placed on us today to purge our goal, we will not produce the same results. The pressure is different. Today we are not stoned, but today we are stoned. We are not stoned physically, but we are stoned spiritually. We don't drop dead in the church like Ananias and Sapphira physically, but a lot of people drop dead. Because they lie to the ministry. Spiritually, they're dead. And that is how people start to drift. Because they start to lie. They start to deny the word of God. And before it's all over, they die spiritually. I don't ever expect everyone that's a member of the church to endure unto the end. Unless I compromise the gospel, the members of the church will fall out. They are individuals that time to gather in and time to cast away. They are individuals that start the race that are never able to complete the race. And that is why I must have confidence in God who has called me to preach the gospel. And so Paul is writing here and he says... You see in verse 10, chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, he says, you see, your witnesses, and God is also witness, how holily and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe. He says in verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God. You walk worthy of God. Here's a question. Are you work, walking worthy of God? You see, it's not talking worthy of God. It's not singing. It's walking. It's living a life that God is pleased with. You might want to ask me that question. But saying, do you please God in everything in your life? No, I don't. But I'm working on it. 
I have not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I am working towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing towards that end. Hold your finger in 1 Thessalonians 2. And turn forward into onto the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Where Paul is writing here. And he's telling us what a good example to look at. And he says here in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, verse 1 he says wherefore seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witness let us lay aside lay aside you see discipleship is demanded here you want to be my disciple deny yourself of every weight that will hinder your progress in God you have to deny it uh, does everyone is everyone able to do that no Many start a race and they're never able to finish it. That's why the Bride of Christ is limited to 144,000 overcomers only. But a lot of people would enter into the kingdom that eventually make it in. And Paul says, lay aside every weight. Uh, seeing the compass, let us lay aside every weight. Weight does not mean sin. It means unnecessary activity in your life that hinder your spiritual progress. He says, and every sin which doth so easily beset us. When it comes to a point in life, there must come to a point in life, if you're to be an overcomer, that every sin that you find pleasure in, in practicing or committing it must be eliminated from your life. Discipleship is to deny self of self-gratification. Of lust. Of what self wants. And sometimes self might... Uh, you have to learn to discipline yourself. Amen. And he goes on here. He says... Looking, now here's the example, one of the major examples that we need to look at. And there comes our song, to have a heart that's pure. A spirit just like yours, Lord Jesus. Well, look at him for an example. Let's see how he managed. Who was the first disciple uh, that ever lived? I think Jesus was. Even though we read about Moses and other men in the Bible... I think Jesus was because he had to come to the place and he was not created without a, a power of choice. All beings were created given a power of choice. And Lucifer was created with a power of choice and he made the wrong choice. God does not make puppets. And you're listening to my voice tonight and you're here in church you're not a puppet. You can do whatever you want. Convince a man against his will and he'll be of the same opinion still. I could be a dictator and says, I want ushering staff to do this. And everyone, no, no, no. I am a person that preached the gospel and you do whatever you want with it. You obey it, you'd live. You disobey it, you'll die. I just preach it. It's not my word, it's God's word. 
And Paul went on here, he says, looking unto Jesus now, who is the one that designed our faith, the one that drafted out all the intricacies of serving God, who decided that it must be self-denial, taking up the cross and following him the rest of your life, the one who designed every aspect of our faith. His name is Jesus. And for him, as someone told me this today, and I'm coming back to Jesus, someone says, you know, you never ask anyone to do what you're not willing to do yourself. And that is true. I never ask you to do what I'm not willing to do myself. And you follow my ways, which be in Christ. The ones that's not in Christ, you don't need to follow them. But, but Jesus is not demanding discipleship that he himself is not willing to pursue. And it demanded discipleship for Jesus to leave the, the comfort or the, the, the authority that he had in heaven and come down to this earth. Now I know I've got your finger in Thessalonians and I've got your finger in Hebrews, but I want to turn back now, a little further back to Philippians. In Philippians, the second chapter, and I love the way this message is going here tonight. Uh, Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, he says in verse 5, he says, Let this mind, the mindset, the thinking ability, the, the thought pattern of who? Adolf Hitler? No. Of our prime minister? No. Of the apostles? No. Of who? Let the mindset of Jesus, the thinking of Jesus, the way he thinks, the way he, he would make a decision. And so Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind? Who being in the form of God that is in the creator, who being in the form of a creator, uh, the King James Bible says, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. If you have an <coughs> Oxford Bible, you'll find the margin says, counted not equality with God, something to be grasped at. I like that translation. Um, I know that the King James translators, they were all Trinitarians, and they wanted to insert something ever so often in your Bible to make you think that there is a Trinity. Some other day, I'll talk to you about how to serve God. And how to understand there's a difference between the Father and the Son. When Jesus said, when you pray, pray to Jehovah. Anyone listening to me? Yes. Jesus said, when you pray, pray to Jehovah. I can't hear you. Say it out loud. No. no. He says, when you pray, do like me. Pray to the Father. Say, our Father. Not our Jehovah. Don't call the Father Jesus and call Jesus the Father. You're really confused. He says, when you pray, pray to the Father. Does Jesus have the authority to receive my prayer? Yes, he does. But he said, when you pray, pray to the Father in my name. Use my 
convert the conversion and your salvation to approach the Father. When Stephen was dying, he says, Lord Jesus, into your hands. Because he looked up into heaven and Luke wrote it like this. He said he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. There were two entities. And Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And it is important that we understand these things. But Jesus counted not, e robbery, uh, counted not equality with God something to be grasped at. This is the mindset that we must have. And he goes on here, he says, But being form, uh, being in the form of God, thought not equality with God something to be grasped at, the margin says. But what he did, he made himself. You see how I like to say, well, the Father made him. No, no, no. He decided to empty himself of the authority as a creator, uh, of the authority as one that created all the angels, as the one that was in charge of God's creation. He emptied himself, the margin says. He made himself of no repetition. You know what he did? He took up his cross. Denied himself, took up his cross, and followed the Father's instruction. He told his disciples, he says, I came not to do my own will. Well, whose will are you doing? The will of him that sent me. Talk about discipleship. He is the most remarkable example. And so when he has set that example, what's our problem today? You got if you're going to be a, if you have to be a disciple you have to learn to deny yourself. Let me change that around. If you want to be my disciple you've got to deny yourself of your own comfort zone and the things that excuses that you make for not being faithful. Deny yourself then you got to take up your cross daily. And follow Abraham. Follow Paul. Follow me, my friend. My ways which be in Christ. I ain't going to follow you. You're not the first, you're not the last. I don't want to follow you. You know how many people said they love me and then when the pressure came on, they turned around and want to persecute me? I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect person to follow. It's not like following Jesus. But the ones that followed Jesus did not even follow Jesus properly. And so Jesus gave that authority to his disciples. And if we're to do that, we're to empty himself of his repetition, took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know, for God to raise up individuals to lead the work of God on, they have to learn to first of all be servants. If you can't be a servant in the relationship with you and your pastor, you can never pastor a church. What Timothy was, servant. What Elisha was, servant. What Joshua was, servant. Turn out to be great leaders. And the same thing goes today. 
Did everyone that followed Paul serve him? No, that's why the churches went to hell. Now you know why Galatia went to hell. Because everyone wants to rule. No one wants to serve. And so back here in Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul is writing here. And he says to the Thessalonians. He says that you walk. Verse 12. That you walk worthy of God. You walk worthy of God. You live worthy of God. Who had called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause. Because you have to walk worthy of God. For this cause. Also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God. Which you heard of us. Human beings. You heard the word of God from us human mortal beings he says you receive it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God now I'm sitting here I'm a man I get angry get upset I get frivolous but when I stand to preach the word of God or sit to preach it like I'm doing tonight I don't have friends I don't have family. I don't have fellow ministers. I preach the word of God. Right now, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking this, Nadine, you need to check it out. I'm thinking, I just got a re received an invitation from the church, which everybody receive, all the ministers receive. I'm not the only one receiving it. From Texas, Brother um, Brown's church sent an invitation for a meeting he's having in February. And I'm thinking, Lord, do I go or do I not go? It's like 60% I want to go, 40% I'm not sure if I should go. So I put the fleece up before the Lord. Do I go or do I not go? And so, do I go? If I'm going, it's because Brother Gary Wright died and... I'd like to go there and stand with Brother Brown for a little. But does he need me? I have a million other people that's there. But if God wants me to go, I'll go. And so it's a fleece I put up. But I must preach the gospel. And the word that I preach, people must not see it as the word of Desmond Singh. If I'm touched by God, like tonight... You think I plan to talk about all of this? No, I started out with a chorus. And I've got a list of things on this side of the page. See, right now, I'm looking at the chorus. And this side of the page, I have some scriptures. I got one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven scriptures. I haven't touched anyone. But, but, Paul is writing here. Let me finish what Paul is saying. And he said here in 1 Thessalonians, he says, You receive the word that we preach not like the word of a man. And this should have saved the church at Thessalonica. Did it save the church at Thessalonica? Make a guess. No. no. Because when Paul was ready to this, the final days of his life, when he was ready to be offered, let me see. Uh, this was written in AD 51. 
And by the time Paul was ready to die, it's AD 64, that is 14 years, 13 years after. 13 years after he wrote this letter, he was ready to be offered in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's gone to Thessalonica. There was a time when Thessalonica received his word, his preaching as the word of God. And then they slowly changed, and slowly changed, and slowly changed until it was the word of Paul. And when you sit in my assembly and you listen to what I preach, if you don't, if you receive it just like the word of brothers saying, you're already lost before you even start the race. You've got to be able to have your senses exercised to discern it's the word of God. And if you are my disciple, you'll keep my commandments. I didn't make the commandments in the Bible, but you would know what I like you to do, and you'd know what, how I like you to live, and you know what I like you to, to, how you like you to conduct yourself, and how faithful I like you to be, and you'll keep my commandments. You will not forsake church attendance. You'll not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Amen. Sorry to put this on you few people sitting here tonight. But you know there are other people around the world that really love it. And so back in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Paul is writing. He says looking unto Jesus. Verse 2. Who is the author? He was the one that designed this, this situation of discipleship. He designed the plan. He wrote the syllabus for discipleship. Never said that before. He wrote the syllabus for discipleship. There's no way you can pass this exam without following what the author, the one that designed this and finisher of our faith, who set the example, who for the joy, the end result that was set before him, endured the cross. And we'll think when it says cross, it means the cross that he was nailed on. It's more than that. He, didn't, he endured the, the price of discipleship his entire life. Left to Jesus, he would have started preaching when he was 12. That's what he did. When he was 12, he forsook mom and dad. And they could not find him after three days. And so they left the group. They went up to, to, for this particular service in Jerusalem. And they were leaving now in three days. Well, I asked myself what parents, what kind of parents there were that three days and they didn't pay attention to where their son was. Twelve year old. They slopped it up, didn't they? Didn't they? Yes. And no wonder he did not feel like he was disobeying anything by staying in the temple. And so they went back after three days and they found him in the temple preaching the gospel. Disputing with the lawyers and doctors of the law. And they said, son, you know, you worry us. We've been searching for you like you're gone three days. 
and he says, Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? But then he realized that obedience to his parents was important. Denying what he wanted to accomplish at that early stage was really not important. He did not let the zeal of the Lord overtake him. He went and he was subjected to his parents until the time of his ministry started when he was approximately 30 years. What an example of discipleship Jesus was. And so when we're thinking about submission and dedication and commitment, uh, look at Jesus who was for the joy, the end result that was set before him, endure the cross, despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. See, what verse 2 says, uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2 says the same thing. And I'm going back to Philippians here. <clears throat> In Philippians chapter 2, it says, But he made himself of no repetition, and took on him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of sinful men. He did not was not a sinful man. He was made in the likeness of sinful men. He started to, the, he was made so that he could hunger, so he could feel pain, he could feel agony, he could feel the heat of the sun, he could be chilled in the cold weather. He made himself like the creatures he created. And so because of this sacrifice Jesus made, because of the price of discipleship that Jesus faced and endure it says wherefore verse 9 wherefore god the father had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name he paid the price and received the reward jesus was an amazing disciple of his father And he was not only amazing disciple, he was a remarkable example that we need to look unto. That's what Paul meant when he says looking unto Jesus. And so the Father had highly exalted him and given him a name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Eventually, everyone in the entire world, their knees would bow of all things in heaven and in things in the earth and things under the earth. You see, we're looking beyond the kingdom. We're looking at angelic beings that will worship him and beings that will serve him because it's not only on this earth that we're thinking that God has a plan, but beyond this world and beyond this galaxy. And so back here in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and we'll close with that. And I'll leave all of these scriptures here. Uh, let me see. Let me count them again. I'll count them again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I'll leave that for some other time. Aren't you glad that I'm so modest? I'm just giving you a simple word of God tonight. No, it's not simple. We're looking back at Hebrews 12. It says, so we'll read that again, verse 12. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured 
the cross. He that endure to the end shall be saved. Discipleship must be endured in order to receive the benefits that come with it. See, God expects everyone in my disassembly and everyone that's in a church to be able to follow, pursue discipleship as God demands. And sadly, you're not following the Lord on earth because if you were back there, you might crucify him, say crucify him too. Your commitment and dedication in your local church gives you that example that you could be a part of what existed 2,000 years ago. Hold your finger in Hebrews the 12th chapter. I said was the last scripture. I want to find a scripture here in Matthew. I think it might be the 23rd chapter of Matthew where Jesus is making a statement here and he says uh, Matthew chapter uh, let's see here, chapter 23, I think it is. <clears throat> yes, chapter 22 of Matthew. Uh, that's a very strong uh, chapter. And I know time is, is actually almost gone to me. Just a minute more I've got. Let me finish this quickly. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus says, Wherefore I send unto you prophets, Old Testament, and wise men, and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. We're talking about Old Testament individuals, and we're also talking of New Testament apostles. He says, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city. And everyone read with me now, that upon you may come all the righteous blood. Now you're living, Jesus is talking to the people living in his day, but he says your attitude to the ministry in your day qualifies you to be included in the group that existed in the days of Abel and all through the Old Testament. Today, if you're sitting in this church, your attitude and, and commitment to the ministry qualifies you to either to be a blessing to the apostles and prophets or you are one of those that is ready to kill them. And so Jesus said that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the prof blood of righteous Abel Unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Bacchus, whom you slew between the, between the temple and the altar. And so, it sounds like a simple message. It is not a simple message. The examples of scriptures are, scripture is given to us that we might pursue. And it would either make us guilty of every man of God that died. Your response to the ministry today qualifies you. To stand alongside those that stood with the apostles and prophets. Or those that persecuted and killed them. Rejection of the ministry that God raised up today. Is rejection of every man of God that ever lived on this planet prior to this day. And may God help us to understand that. How serious it is. 
Amen. And so when you understand that, you understand that Jesus is the perfect, a perfect example of what true discipleship is all about. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for this night and this message. Help us, oh God, touch our minds to comprehend the, the necessity of true discipleship in our day. Help us to understand, Father, that we must submit ourselves to the ministry today. Lord, for in doing so, we need to qualify ourselves to be in your kingdom or disqualify ourselves. Help us to understand that serving you is demanding. And, oh God, it produces lasting results. Teach us your ways, we pray. Give us the spirit of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it. Amen and amen.